Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another episode of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, doing uh, fantastic, man. You know, ready to uh, roll into a uh, another episode here. And, uh, you know, getting ready to watch some uh, West Coast White Sox baseball against the uh, Dodgers this evening. So, yeah, things are looking up, man. I'm, uh, well, I don't know about looking up. <laughs> but the, we'll see you know, here. I'm uh, I'm I'm hoping things are uh, you know gonna go smoothly this evening after a couple tough ones against the uh, fish, but uh, you know, uh, Danny Boy here has got a uh, another road course endurance race coming up this weekend. So yeah, Team Nas Carl is uh, <laughs> getting ready to uh, you know hit the racetrack, and uh, I get to spend. Uh, Four days away from the job, man. So, you know, looking forward to that, man. Feeling pretty good about that because it can't come any sooner. You know, mm. had a couple of rough weeks here where you just, you know, you have those days where you think, if I don't get away soon, I might go to jail. <laughs> so, been there. You know, here we are, man. Uh, how's things with you? Things are good. Hey, Pusher, how you doing? Good to see you, man. Thanks for popping in. Evening, Pusher. Uh, yeah. Uh. We had a tournament last week. Didn't go well. Um, yeah, it happens. Um, you know, Colton came back from his uh, his catching mishap, and uh, they had him slated as the uh, starting shortstop all weekend. That went really well. Um, but uh, team did not fare so hot, and uh, it was a it was a tough tough couple of days. You know, but uh, you live and it's you baseball. learn. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh I mean luckily for for me, you know, like I get uh this this week's off for the most part. We had a game on Monday and um you know, had a you know, I got until uh next Monday off, you know, from uh from the games. So get a nice relaxing sort of weekend and going to mix the show and looking forward to that. Haven't done that in a while and um yeah. yeah. Other than well, that, everything's great. Man. From baseball to go do, to go go back to music for a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like kind of like a mental reset for me, you know. Um, when I stopped touring, I I told my wife I was like, I need to at least do it a little bit, or I'll probably go insane, you know, like working a just a normal job without being able to do that. And uh, so I still freelance and. It's nice, you know, I go out and mix some bands and uh, get to get that feeling again for a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, it's then back to the uh, the nine to five, you know. Yeah, that's cool. And you have mixed a, a band that uh, we have uh, mutual friends that are a part of. So uh, one of these days uh, I'm going to make it out so uh, we can hang out and I can... Uh, you know, catch my buddy's band and uh, catch you doing your thing all at the same time. I think that would be uh, it'd be a really good evening. Yeah, they're uh, they're a lot of fun for those of you who do not know that is it's uh, Chains Over Razors. They're a local Chicago like uh, I don't know if I'd say heavy metal, but they're definitely hard uh, hard rock uh, band. Um, yeah, probably like on the harder side of. I guess you know it's difficult to call it grunge either, but yeah, 
you know, kind of on the harder side of the grunge. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, of, well, you know, as the name suggests, a lot of uh, Ellis and Chains influence in there. Yeah, there's some of that. Stuff. I mean, there's uh, you know, it's kind of got like uh, you know, and you know, not that it sounds like Disturbed, but I mean, it's like kind of you know, Chicago heavy band, so it's going to have you know comparisons to that, I'm sure, from somebody. And you know, they've got some uh, Carmen Apice, uh Carmine Apice from. Uh, vanilla fudge and among other things he was involved with uh their record and um yeah it's good it's a good record sounds really good and uh they had some uh some radio some radio play and stuff so uh and not to mention uh they're very good people so there's that as well so indeed couldn't yeah. agree more yeah so uh yeah, so uh, we got some uh, White Sox Dodgers coming up here in a few minutes. It's it's kind of odd, you know. It's like I'm not used to having the White Sox playing when we're streaming. Usually, usually if if it is, it's we just get to watch the bullpen blow it at the end of the at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so this we get Ooh, from the beginning. Recently here, yeah, wow. and and Lance Lynn's going, and you know when we first started here, they were showing his stat line from uh, his most recent start and you know i don't know i i had uh mentioned to uh to beef loaf when i was on the ajou that you know something along the effects of you know with pedro grafal having you know a bunch of his team a bunch of his team on the world baseball classic that uh it might have you know might be playing a role in how his message to the team and like how he wants the team to operate and everything like that, that that might be uh, a a little bit of a, a a detraction from, from that because some of his main guys were gone. And, you know, one thing I thought about afterwards was, you know, specifically to Lance Lynn, him not being around. And the fact that I kind of think that there's something mechanical going on with him him not being with the White Sox staff before, you know, like for the entire, uh, you know, uh, spring training ramp up. If right. there's if there was an issue there, you know, in the White Sox camp, they're going to be able to address it and try and sort it out before the season starts. Instead, you know, like you saw how it went with Lucas Giolito last year, you know, when he's trying to work through some of his mechanical issues during the year, it didn't work out so well. And I kind of have a feeling that maybe Lance Lynn is maybe falling victim to that a little bit where, you know, the, the late you know, arrival to the White Sox. I mean, granted, he was there for the first couple of weeks and whatever, but, uh, you know, what do you think? Do you think that that's a, a possible hindrance no, actually, to his performance? I, I, you know, I, I actually kind of do, uh, you know, and, and I listened to the show when you were on with beef loaf, the Aju, uh, live that evening. And, uh, you know, some of the things that you brought up in, uh, you know, by saying that Pedro kind of getting his philosophy and his way of doing things out there uh, and trying to get this team all back on the same page. And maybe, you know, it, it, 
living a different baseball lifestyle than they had been the last couple of seasons under Tony. Uh, it's difficult to do when you've got, you know, you've got two, you know, two guys playing for team USA. You've got a couple of guys playing for, you know, uh, uh, Cuba, you've got a couple of guys playing, you know, there were, there were guys playing all over the place. And if you're missing, you know, four or five, six of your top players, I think what was there? There was seven or eight total White Sox in the World Baseball Classic. Something like that. Uh, and, you know, they're playing all in different places. And sure, they might have faced each other throughout, you know, that tournament. But it's different when, you know, you're playing baseball as a team. It's not like they didn't play baseball at all, but they they didn't have the time to come together. And I, I couldn't agree with you more that there was probably uh some just just missed time to come together as a team and, and to adopt these new philosophies and these the, you know the new schedules and all the different things that that might be going on and and get to know a new coaching staff because it wasn't just Pedro that came in but as far as Lance Lynn goes I think you hit the nail on the head uh something just doesn't feel right about him he doesn't look right he's been hugely inconsistent uh and you know you can generally tell right at the beginning of a game which Lance Lynn you're going to get that night if you're if he's going to you know throw 30 pitches in the first inning you can pretty much chalk it up that yeah he might find it here and there but it's probably going to be a short outing for him you know we you might get four or five innings might give up a handful of runs and you might be playing comeback baseball if the offense is not so I do believe that you might be onto something there. I think, uh, I think if it's something mechanical, you know, obviously it's difficult to work out in the middle of a season. And this is the guy who's your workhorse, who you are depending on to go out there, if nothing else, eat up a bunch of innings, and he hasn't been able to do that. So, no, he has not. And I tell you what, after seeing the uh, first AB here with uh, Tim Anderson. If Gonsolin is getting pitches four inches outside to right-handed hitters, oh, I'm glad you caught that because um, we're in for a a rough night. Although, if you know, if uh, if Lance gets us the same calls, you know, considering that his command has been pretty suspect so far this season, uh, if he gets the same calls, maybe it does benefit him to uh, have a very generous strike zone. But I don't know. That was. Uh, Quite the call right there. Um, Indeed, I I caught that right away myself. And you know, I, here's my thing about that is is you know uh, you see these boxes that they put on the screen these these digital strike zones, uh, and you know from what I understand, each network has their own, but they all try to generally find. Uh, I think it's like the last hundred at bats or so against that particular batter and what the, you know, the, the, the most called strike zone is against that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't take into consideration the umpire, you know, it only takes into consideration the last hundred of bats. So it's not the be all end all, but it's generally pretty close. Right. And as long as it's consistent and it's going the same way for both teams, I really couldn't care less. Yeah. You know, you as a hitter, you got to go up there and adjust to that strike zone. So, you know, 
if as long as Lance is getting it, it's it's going both ways, fine. If it's not, well, could be in for a long inning or yeah. a long evening. Yeah, and if you uh, if you guys don't know uh, what Danny is referencing about the uh, the networks and their different uh, you know uh, strike zone boxes that are on there, uh, Jim Joyce, one of the umpires, happened to mention it. Oh, I did see that the other I day. Think about that. Yeah, about he that. happened to mention that the other day, and it you know spurred some articles and stuff like that about uh, how the different uh, K zones that are on different net you know how they vary on different networks and how on some you know some networks it'll look different than it will on others and so you know what you're seeing might not be an accurate representation of what is actually going on with the baseball um and you know like i I can buy that somewhat you know the the thing that uh he said you know that that makes it so the you know the umpire scorecards and if you're watching at home like seeing the where the pitches are and everything that it makes it inaccurate um my retort to that is that when an umpire's consistency rating is not on the level I don't care about his accuracy in the strike zone so much because the the problem is is the both teams need to be getting the same calls. You right. know, and it, and if the consistency is not there and it favors one team or the other, that's where the problem lies. Not necessarily with, you know, what we see as a strike and what we see not as a strike because like you said, you know, if both teams are getting the same. Oh, I mean, and Gonsolin just there, he threw that same pitch that he threw to Anderson that was like four inches off the plate outside, and he started walking off like he was going to get that call. I mean, that that was like farther than four. That was like six, eight inches outside, you know? Yeah, he thought he was going to get that call. Yeah, I mean, as long, really like did. you said, you know, as long as the strike zones are consistent for both teams, then I agree. You know, I don't care because you know – you know, the first couple of innings is always spent seeing what the strike zone is like. And generally, these umpires tell you what the strike zone is going to be like. And, you know, the players, they know these umpires. They know generally what these umpires call and what they don't call just by looking at, you know, same things that we look at, like the umpire scorecards thing. You know, they see where the where the where where their zone, like how their general zone is. And what the consistency is for that. So it's not like they don't know what they're looking at. You know, it's not like a Little League game where it's just some rando guy that is out there umpiring could be, you know. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, fifth of Jack Daniels into his day. You have no idea, <laughs> you know. So, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, uh, I do know what you mean. I got to be honest with you, though. Oh, that's close. Yeah, he looked like he was out to me but hey i'll take it if they give it to him yeah uh you know my biggest thing about what joy said about you know when you talk about digital strike zones oh man that is awful close and yeah it's probably he, gonna say that I th- they're too close to even i think he got his right arm in before before the glove hit his left yeah that was oof, that was close um um but you know anyways just getting back to joyce real quick what he said about the digital strike zone, hey, he did just get in there, uh, and 
and umpire scorecard. You know, I, I don't like the fact that he lumped the two of them together. Yeah, it's not it's not a fair because comparison. The, the, right. The digital strike zone is one thing. Again, it's that's network based. Somebody on their team, you know, they are probably a computer compilation. Like I said, they usually take the last hundred at bats from that particular hitter and put his zone up there. And those are generally pretty close. You know, he was talking about, oh, if you look at the home team's broadcast and the away broadcast, ah, they're different. Not often. It's not that maybe different. Every now and again, yeah, maybe every now and again, you might catch one that's a little wonky. But for the most part, they're pretty close. But the thing about umpire scorecards is, like you're saying, that doesn't just, that has nothing to do with that digital strike zone we're looking at on television. That has to do with consistency. That has to do with balls that we know, you know, are pretty much covering the plate or not catching. You know, they're catching the zone or not catching the zone. And how many times that same ball in almost the same position was called a strike versus how many times it was called a ball and established zone, right? Established. zone, Exactly. Exactly. And you know, we've seen it. You see it live all the time where one pitch comes in, it's called a strike. And that pitcher goes back to that same pitch because he was like, who, you know, that was probably a question of one. I'm going to throw that again. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he, and yeah. he hits that spot almost exactly, and you don't get the same call. And that's where umpire scorecards is is doing their work. They're looking at those going, yeah, you know what? That was two pitches that were exactly the same, and they were called different ways. And the consistency does not match up. So, yeah, you know, Jim Joyce can, you know, say what he needs to say. Pounce out. He can make himself, you know, <laughs> feel better however he wants. Yeah, exactly. And try to, and try to talk to fans off the ledge. but. I think they see the writing on the wall with this, uh, you know, oh, yeah. automated strike zone coming. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, like maybe the ABS doesn't come as, you know, as soon as we're thinking. But I think that the challenge system that they're using in AAA is, is on its way, you know, where they get like, uh, what is it, like two or three challenges per game. And then if they get right. their challenges right, then they get to keep them. And I, I, the Knights... Uh, Two games in particular, uh, you know, where I was watching, uh, they got like, I want to say they got like seven calls right in two days, you know? So, um, but yeah. Uh, So, speaking of other guys who are not um, White Sox employees... Uh, or, you know, are just uh, lumped in with uh, baseball because of uh, their jobs. Um, did you happen to catch the Bob Nightingale uh, quotes coming from his radio appearance? Yeah. Boy. Pops, uh, I don't know. You wonder if that bat phone to uh, Jerry's office is ringing again. Uh, I did catch those quotes and, uh, I, you know, I don't know them word for word or you know, verbatim. I'm hoping maybe you have them up. Yeah. There, I'll but... bring up a, I'll, uh, I'll just a couple of them here. Um, but yeah, I mean, good goodness. It's just, I mean, you know, granted Pedro Grafal has not done 
the things that we had hoped he would do with this team right out the gate. But that's not to say he hasn't done anything with this team. But, man, you want to talk about lighting lighten the pyre for, uh, you know, the TLR days. Holy. <laughs> but go ahead and uh, pull that up there and let's uh, let's discuss. Hey, Lance Lynn starts off the game with a K of old Mookie Boots. Um, so he says, uh, all spring they were saying, look at what the new manager is doing, Pedro Grifal. And uh, he says, he's done nothing. I was joking they should give Tony Larusa another plaque in Cooperstown for actually winning with this team. He also said, uh, uh, they have no choice but to break this thing up. Pedro has not made a difference. And so for him stoking Tony Larusa's legend, um, the issue with that is they only won up until the All-Star break of his first year. After that, they were 500, and last year they were 500. Uh, this year, you know, yeah, there's some issues here. And, uh, like, things have not been firing all at the same time, and things have been, like, kind of uneven and weird. And they started off really badly, but after that, you know, like, I mean, you know, Marlins series aside, um, for the last month, you know, they've been playing pretty well. Uh, I mean, not Uh, great, but a lot better. That Marlins series, they had the best record in the AL since April 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, so you, like you say, the, the bat phone to Jerry's office. Uh, my question is like, is Jerry, kind of getting to the point where he's like uh is he panicking that the team's not doing well and uh you know he's trying to light a fire under the team or you know i mean is this is this a uh uh an attempt to try and inspire the us versus the rest of the world narrative and light a fire under his team because they, you know, maybe he'll they'll they'll band together and try and save Pedro, you know. Um, I don't I don't really know. Um, it's possible. I mean, anything's possible, I guess. It, you know, it could be the uh, it could be the virtue signaling of a possible sell off that uh, many folks seem to think is pretty much inevitable at this point could be uh, a, a, a you know smoke signals that uh maybe there are some front office moves you know and changes in personnel in the in the front office uh you know on the horizon i who knows but uh the statements themselves really are just trash the yeah. quotes are are plain and simple just garbage to uh and, you know and you and I talked about this from the day they hired Pedro Grafal. And we said, you know, there's a lot of bad habits and a lot of bad stuff going on in this organization. Probably not going to change overnight. No. And aside from a bad start in April, the first month of the season looking bad, this team is, like I said, they had the best record in the AL from April 30th going into that Marlins series. Uh, 
and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he surfaces with these stupid comments after they lose two games to the Marlins. I mean, granted, they were bad yeah. losses, but you're also talking about a couple of guys who hadn't been scored on since May, right? You know, since like the beginning of May. So, right, like, oh boy, yeah, here we go. That's going a long way. There's a two-run jack by Will Smith. White Sox down two nothing. Lance Lynn looking surprised, looking shocked. Uh, I mean, uh, not really. Just kind of looking like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I don't know, man. It's. I mean, what are you going to do when you're throwing ninety-one over the heart of the plate? It's going to get hit. You know. Well, I guess that uh, yeah. was that was drifting inside, but I mean, Will Smith's a he professional good, hitter. He put a good swing. And he pulled his hands in. Got yeah, the sure did. Got the head of the bat. Yeah, right dropped on. the head of that bat right through the right through that baseball and just. Yeah, send it into the bleach. I mean, he's he's got quick hands, so you know what? He, what can you say? He's a guy's a great baseball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, White Sox could use you know one or two guys like him, but uh, that's yes, a whole other conversation. Then you got old Jay Hay coming up here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the time, the fact that. Like you said, the timing of these these comments coming out now it just seems almost too too well planned, too well timed. To you know, I don't know. It, it it feels nefarious. There's no way that Bob Nightingale is coming up with this stuff on his own. It's the way I feel about it, man. Somebody's feeding him something, whether it's a coworker or somebody else in in the office or Jerry Reinsdorf himself. Somebody's going, "Hey, man, you got to say say something." Either that, or say you know, like uh, Pedro did uh, Bob Nightingale dirty somehow that we don't know about. You know, right. Right, and you know the funny thing is, is when this team was winning those those games and becoming the 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 team that had the best record over the last month or so, uh, they were doing it while not you know necessarily being consistent in every facet of the game. Yeah, uh, you know the one thing that remained throughout that time was that this team can't get everything going all at once. You get great starting pitching, you get good hitting, you get bad defense. You get great bullpen, great hitting, not such a great start from your pitcher. You know, you get three things, you don't get the fourth. And it it, it seems like a revolving door of who's going to drop the ball today. You know, is it going to be a bad defensive play where Tim Anderson – you know, muffs uh, an easy play. He makes the, you know, spectacular play one inning and then muffs an easy play the next inning and throws the ball into the dugout or into the first row, into the netting, whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that kind of thing leads to, you know, additional base runners and additional runs in an inning that, you know, probably we've seen it a few times where you're two outs and looking like you're going to get out of the inning and completely fall apart. You know, it's just been that it's it's the White Sox way this season. It, it's been this way for the White Sox the last couple of seasons. If they could just find a way to all get on the same page at the same time, they could be the team that we all were hoping them for them to be. And it, it just it just doesn't seem to work out, even when they are winning games. 
Yeah, it, it's pretty much, you know, the the recipe is either scored 11 runs and, you know, the pitching can do pretty much whatever, or <laughs> right. the pitching has to limit the other team to, like, two runs or the White Sox aren't winning for the most right. part, you know? I, that That's, like, kind of – that's kind of the middle ground here, you know? Like, those two cro- – you know, it's like you get the, the two circles, you know, on your, your Venn diagram – you know that's that's you got White Sox win in the middle and it's a great pitching, lots of offense. You know, and those are the only two times. You know, like the only two things that when those two things you know happen, that's the only time you get a win. You know, although right. I guess that wouldn't be a Venn diagram, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, the intersecting circles. Yeah, for those of you who are not, you know. Uh, picking up what Ian is laying. Yeah, because those two here. things never cross over. So I guess it's a exact opposite <laughs> thing. Hey, look at that! Another two run shot. Oh boy, he's mm. gonna. Well, you know, I did say it right before we started. You're pretty much going to know in the first inning what kind of game it's going to be for Lance Lynn. So there you go. Yeah, he's usually if he can get past the first inning. He's at 27 pitches with two yeah. outs. Yeah, 30 pitches in the first inning. So if he strikes out the uh, next guy on three pitches or gets him to ground out on, we're gonna yep. be right on on uh, on our timeline here. And uh, <laughs> I feel bad for that gentleman that's got the uh, front row seats wearing the Sox jersey right behind home plate because he probably either a he's got some very powerful friends that uh, have some nice seats or he paid a lot of money for those seats and uh, I feel pretty terrible for him. Yeah. Because uh, this one's probably going to get ugly, is my guess. Oh, what a shame, man. What a shame. The Dodgers, 115 home runs already early in the season. I mean, they do have a lot of pop in that lineup. I'll give them that. They do. Man. You know, it's just uh, it's not one thing; it's another with these guys. It's always it's always something. You know. Oh well, um, I'm just yeah. I'm just looking here real quick just to uh, to see where the White Sox are at here. <laughs> I say sixty something, seventy, seventy home bad. runs, and uh, okay, the Dodgers. Now they were tied with the with the Rays, but now that they've got two home runs, they are two home runs again uh, ahead of the Rays. So it's one fifteen yeah, to one thirteen. Yep. And there we go. There's our thirty one pitch pitches. inning. Yep. <laughs> Brutal man. Oh man. I mean, you know, I'm. I, this is one of those situations where I don't. I didn't want to be right. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be right, but. I I couldn't have scripted this any better <laughs> to uh, prove my point, but goodness gracious, please, you know, I'd rather walk away with the egg on my face and be wrong. Yep. Uh, you know, on the uh, plus side of things, you know, uh, you know how the White Sox were like uh, tops in batting average last year, but their OBP was terrible and their OPS was terrible. Um, this year, they're uh, they're matching all the way across the board. They're 22nd in batting average this year as well, so they're not even yeah. uh, trying to uh, figure out some sort of loophole to make themselves look good. Their OBP is 29th in Major League Baseball. Wow. 
two ninety five. They are two point or they're uh, yeah two points ahead of the Kansas City Royals who are at two ninety three. Ah, that is awful. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Two ninety five. Your on base percentage as a team is below three hundred. That is, oh, that's that's putrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their OPS, they're uh, they're twenty sixth in OPS with a six eighty one OPS. Oh God! See, this is why. You know what? I, well, I haven't looked at stats much this year. And, Fun time, and, huh? Know, <laughs> being a being somebody who's maybe not the biggest of stat nerds, yeah. but who's somebody who you know kind of has an understanding for a lot of the advanced stats. Uh, I usually find myself peering into those things quite a bit and this year i said ah, you know what really don't want to know because i know it's going to be bad and then you throw that out there with me and i got a pit in my stomach yeah i mean it's one of those things that you knew it was bad but you didn't know it was that bad you know figure you know yeah. like yeah okay it's in the bottom it's, third yeah. you know it's like 21st 22nd something <laughs> like that you know and that you're like that you're expecting you're like okay yeah that's you know, that's that seems about right i mean it doesn't make you feel better per se, but at least it doesn't make you feel terrible because you, you're like, okay, well that's about what I thought. But then when you hear that they're two, two points away from the Royals, then you're like, yeah, that's, that's ugly. Ah, uh, I, mm. yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. It's pretty terrible. And I, you know, on the, also, you know, changing the narrative from last year, they're right in the middle of the pack for uh, strikeouts. They're not the, uh, you know, like one of the better teams with strikeouts this year. So it's just an all-around failure instead of, uh, you know, feigning some sort of success with a lot of a lot of hits, you know? So um, they are in hits. They are 17th. Middle of the pack again. Yeah. Hey. Jake Berger. Legging out that infield single. You think they're going to score it as a single? I probably will. I you, I uh, mean. Keep Mookie off the uh, the old E list there. I mean. A minute since I've actually personally watched Mookie play the infield. I mean, have have you heard about his sprint speed and his uh, his uh, percentile on his sprint speed? <laughs> he he did. He, he just. Uh, I, I'd say you know he probably just underestimated the speed of Jake Berger. You know. I. You know what? It is. It is fairly, fairly possible. He doesn't know Jake Berger well enough to know that he's quite spry. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Nah. Golf swing. Nah. Golf swing. So yeah, so... Um, Yasmani. Anywho. Yeah, another uh, tired story that, uh, I mean, quite frankly, I'm kind of just over at this point. Um, Tim Anderson granted an interview with uh, Ryan Clark, the, uh, I believe, former... 
former Steeler. I don't think he's playing anymore. Uh, I'm not entirely 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he's retired. Um, granted an interview with, uh, with Ryan Clark, and uh, he was asked whether he wanted to stay with the White Sox uh, if he wanted them to pick up the uh, $14 million option for next year or not. And uh, more or less, he said, um, well, they can sign me or not, and I'll go somewhere else. Either way, works for me. And um, he also said, you know, because Clark mentioned something about a positional change of possibly moving him to second base um, or moving him in a different position. And Tim Anderson's response which this is this is where I start wondering what planet this man lives on. He said, yeah. as long as you pay me like a shortstop, you can do whatever you want. Right. Because he's looking at he's looking at what the average contract for a shortstop is. Can't do that though. On- can't do that you know is in comparison to what the average contract of a second baseman is the problem is is you're not producing yeah at all yeah you can't have a 600 ops and play bad defense and and expect to get a a negative three drs or four drs or whatever it is so far season and going even further down and going back to last season you were in the negative and drs you know, after really making some leaps and bounds in the positive direction, you've regressed quite a bit defensively. You can't field routine ground balls. You know, it, it, I feel like it's the Javi Bias conversation where he makes the fantastic play and then botches the easy one. And, you know, people will say what they want about the injury, Tim Anderson's knee, Tim Anderson's thumb. You know, all these things play a role. But, you know, if he can't make a throw from shortstop, and I'm not even talking about going deep in the hole. If you can't make a throw from shortstop to first base to Andrew Vaughn, and then you want to tell me that it's because Andrew Vaughn isn't as tall as Jose Abreu, I'm going to tell you to go pound sand yourself because this is ridiculous. This is our two-time all-star. Shouldn't be throwing your throws eight feet high. Right. Jose <laughs> then it wouldn't be a problem. Those throws, I don't care. I mean, yeah, he sailed stop. plenty. He sailed plenty when Jose Abreu was here. He's plenty capable of sailing it on. No matter, you could have Richie Sexton at first base, and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> the guy's like right. seven foot eight. He still wouldn't be able to catch some of these throws. You know, right? Um, right. Yeah, you can't have a six oh eight OPS and expect to, you know, and, and not having not hit since. Memorial Day of last year, you know, for a, uh, you know, above 260 average since Memorial Day of last year. You can't do that with no power and with bad defense. You just can't. No. You can't. I mean, you certainly can't expect. I mean, you know, like, you know, he, yeah, he's looking around at all the, you know, and Ryan Clark even mentioned this. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, you look around the, the landscape here of the, the shortstops and everybody's getting like $25, 30000000 million a year contracts. And I'm sitting here yelling at my radio. Yeah, but those guys are playing good defense generally. And 
either A, they're hitting a lot of home runs, or B, they're hitting some home runs and putting up a decent average and a decent OBP, and they can walk. None of these right. things which he's doing right now. You know, some of those things he's never done. And there is that as well. <laughs> he's never walked. In his now, granted, you know, if you want to go back and look at the metrics, and Tim Anderson's walking more in the last season and a half. All right. Whoop de do when he's hit two sixty. Yeah. And zero dingers. And his sure. base hits are down. Yeah, he's got a handful. Of, okay. I do yeah. that. You know, and, and there was a time there where just recently I thought maybe his bat the ball was starting to look a little bit better, but then he faltered again. Yeah, uh, I, he just—I I don't know. I, you, he talks like he wants to get paid, like he's a top three or top five shortstop in baseball. I'm sorry, sir. I really enjoy watching you play when you were on your game. I do. Do not guess. Do, do, Sox fans want to jump on me for saying these things. Yeah, and jump on me all you want. I really don't care. I have I, thick skin. And I can handle it. But here's the thing. I'm only telling you the truth when I say these things. He is not a top five shortstop in baseball, even he, when he's hitting 300. I, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I kind of got a chuckle when Dansby Swanson signed across town and they were like, you know, welcome second best shortstop in Chicago. And I was like, who have you uh, been watching? <laughs> right. Dansby Swanson is a defensive phenom. Number He's, one. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, that is 100% accurate. And, and uh, number two, he hits for some power. You know, I mean, he, I was some thinking with, the, with Atlanta. Yeah, but I mean, like it only like the power only really was there for one year. But I mean, you're also talking okay. about, you know, like one of the top draft picks in baseball. You know, that was supposed to be, you know, when he was drafted, everybody's like, this guy's going to be amazing. You know, when you combine all of the all of his skill sets, all of his, you know, five tool guy, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, like it took him it took him a long time to get the bat going, you know, and. You know, it it happened eventually. It's just, uh, you know. A team late, as far as you know, some people were concerned. You know, right, 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 so, right. So, let me ask this: you know, Tim Anderson, if 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 injuries is what's causing Tim Anderson to be down right now, is is he healthy enough to carry that bag he wants, or is he gonna you know throw his back out trying to carry yeah. you know the mega deal that he, he thinks he's deserving of? Sprain his knee, probably. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you haven't had, uh, let's see, 2022, you had 332 at-bats. You got 527 in 2021. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have, it's still a little bit light, you know. But, like, when you look at the games played, that's where the problem is, you know, is that he was getting some at-bats in some of these years. But, you know, like... You haven't gotten really a full season out of TA since 2018. Right. I mean, that was five years ago. 
five seasons. Ago. This year, you're going to be lucky to get 115 games out of him. If that's even possible, I don't. I don't remember exactly how many games he missed, but you know, you're you're going to probably get like 115 games out of him. 120 games. So again, you know, you're going to be looking at five seasons in a row where you've only gotten like a, at at most 123 games out of him. That's been as high games played since 2018. Yeah, how do you think you're going to walk away with a bag, dude? Yeah, how can you give somebody 30 million dollars a year when he misses 20% of the games? You know, like, and, and again, I, I want to say that I really enjoy watching Tim plays on his game, but you got to be on the field. Yeah. I mean, if he was, if he was, uh, still doing that batting champion thing that he can do and he was still offensively putting up the numbers that he would put up, if he's only playing 120 games in a year, okay, cool. Well, we'll just prorate it then. And you're going to miss 20% of the games. We'll take 20% of that away. And so you get $24 million a year. Sure. You know, but, you know, when you don't hit on top, you know, added on top of only playing 120 games, you know, and your fielding is actively losing games for the team. Right. I mean, how many innings has he extended this year? You know, that first game. The first uh, uh, of the two losses that were tough against the Marlins, Tim blew uh, what, you know, he made the play the day before at home plate, which was it was a great play, you know. Uh, but now the White Sox are uh, up one to nothing in the ninth. And Tim Anderson would, you know, now granted – Tim Anderson didn't load the bases. I will give you that. Joe Kelly was not his typical Joe Kelly self, although, you know what, Joe Kelly has really performed in that role a whole lot this year. He's, his best performances have been in early innings. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever. Joe Kelly lights out for whatever it was, nine or eight or nine starts, Sorry. eight or nine appearances in a row, and he had a couple of hiccups there. But the thing is, is, you know, you get that, that ball hits to you and, you know, Pedro said in his postgame comments that I'm not sure Tim was in between. Like if he wanted to come home with the ball or if he wanted to, you know, concede the run and try to take two. Well, you know, that's fine. You know, you can say he was in between, but the thing is, is you're a professional baseball player. You got to make a decision. You got to make it quick, quick. You can't just say, well, I didn't get a handball because I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, you need to have it in your head before that pitch is thrown that I'm going to get this ball. Every player on the diamond should think it's coming to me. Yep. What am I doing with it when it when it happens? And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. That's not, again, it's not top five or stop caliber play. And he blew that game. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say he solely blew that game, but uh, he, he definitely helped blow a wide open. Yeah. He definitely helped extend the inning to make it so that comeback was next to impossible. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to down on the guy. I just think he's a bit 
out there Delusional. with this thought. Yeah, he 100%. He, he deserves $30 million a year. No, yeah. I'm sorry, brother. Good luck with that. I would not be shocked if the White Sox did not pick up his option at the end of the season just for th- comments like that. Because they're like, oh, hey, you know, oh, if we want if we want you to stay cool, if but we, if we don't want you to stay, that's also cool. Uh, you know what? Maybe we want you to stay. Yeah. Maybe we don't want to pick up that $14 million. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it sounds it, like you don't want to be here anyway when you say things like that. Yeah. And you're not really producing. Yeah, that's the thing is that I can find a shortstop that's going to hit 250 and play great defense for seven or eight million dollars a year. Right. Or, you know, like we can bring some guy up from the minors and he's gonna at least be able to do one or the other and be semi competent at the other one that they aren't doing really well. I mean, honestly, you've got Elvis Andrews on your team who can play shortstop defensively. And hit 250. He could hit, he could, he could do negative the negative three DRS at shortstop and hit, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, he's barely, I don't, I don't think he's even hitting 200 right now, you know? Yeah. Well, Um, true. Yeah. You're right about that. But he's considerably cheaper. And I mean, you know, like this, the, uh, I mean, where you want to go with this, uh, emotional leader you know tim being the emotional leader of the team um one of the quotes from that interview was you know when he was going through his personal issues uh one of the things that he said is that you know he didn't want to be seen and he didn't want to play you know like that made him you know but he had to go out and play and that made that all that difficult that all that much more difficult because he was going right. through all that personal stuff, which, you know, we have generally stayed away from his personal drama, you know, but this is all self-created. All of those issues that this is my issue here is using that as, you know, like, and we, you know, we've talked about this before where you use your own personal drama as the reason why, He's not doing what he should be doing offensively, you know, plus the injuries is, you know, what's causing these issues. And, you know, like when he had the major issues before, that's why he was, you know, terrible, you know, like this, his second year that he was up or whatever. And like, I'm, you're a professional baseball player, man. And you're, you're almost a 30 year old man. Your excuses mean nothing to me. It's all self-created. You, you know, I understand, yes, he's, he's just a professional athlete and he shouldn't be held to a higher standard than anybody else. Hey, guess what? If one of my friends did this, I'd call him an idiot too. Yeah. I, you know what? And I'll even, I'll go a step further, you know, because I was a 21-year-old man in the Navy overseas on an aircraft carrier, working seven days a week for months at a time because that's what we do, and that's what we're called upon. And I was not making any kind of money. Yeah, You know what I mean? The military does not pay well at all. 
and I was ending my, my mom passed away and I had to get on a plane and fly off a boat and fly to Spain and make a 14 hour flight back to the States and do the whole, you know, bury my mom and, 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 you know, do the hugs and kisses and shake hands and, you know, listen to everybody tell me how bad they felt for me. And, and then I had to get back on a plane and go back to work and do what I had to do. And nobody, nobody was, especially then, and may, you know, maybe this is wrong now looking back on it, but nobody was sending me to any kind of counseling. Nobody was trying to make it so that I was not seen I had to go back to work and work 17, 18, 19, 20 hours a day, seven days a week for months at a time in the middle of an ocean. And guess what? There was no excuse for not doing my job. <laughs> if you don't do your job on an aircraft gear, people get hurt. Yeah. People die. Yeah. Things go wrong. So, you know what? I'm sorry, but I don't have any sympathy for you i do i, I shouldn't do say either. i don't have any i shouldn't say i don't have any because i do because it sucks but at the same time we all go through these problems in life we all have issues that we have to deal with and get through them 100%. and every one of us is expected to do the job that we were hired to do and we are being paid to do so i'm sorry bro leave it at home yeah i like i'm sorry that you stepped out on your wife and you had a kid with another lady and they're having all sorts of drama on social media. I'm sorry. You should have made and better it, choices. It's and out there. You're a public figure. Exactly. It's going to be out there. There's nothing you can do to stop it from being out there. Yeah. And people are going to pile on. on. People are going to pile on when you make very bad judgment calls. You know, yeah. welcome to and the you know real what? world. You're making more in a single season. Than I will probably in my lifetime. Yeah. So I feel no qualms about calling you out on it, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like my, my, my thought on the whole thing is, is that you did that. Don't go crying because you made bad decisions and people are calling you out on it. Own it. Right. Do maintain your responsibilities which yeah. is being a, a father, you know, whether, whether or not you like, I don't care whether you want to go back with your wife or not, whatever. I could care less. If you want to be with the other lady, that's fine too. Could care less. You know, I just don't want to hear you use that as an excuse for why you're playing baseball badly. Right. Go out and play and baseball. Like I said, you know, maybe looking back at my experience that it was wrong that nobody was offering me the, you know, full kind of, counseling that's available today that that's the thing is these things are available to you yeah the team has these things that they make available to you so get the help you need figure it out and move on yeah i mean but, let's 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 not act like when you have these kind of financial Hey, Xavier, how you doing? When you have these kind of financial resources, hey, buddy. there are a lot of things that are available to you that are not available to normal people. That when they make judgment mistakes and when they screw up bad, they don't have like this massive bank account to fall back on, you know? Right. So and, and we just live in a different day and age now, too, where it's it's more easily acceptable. You know, it's more socially acceptable to be able to say, you know what? 
I need that help. Back then, you know, in the mid nineties, it was man up. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to hear it. Man, you know we mean? sound Nowadays, like old men. Well, but it's the truth. <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. Some people will say it's soft. Yeah. I, I mean, might even be one of those people, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I'm also one of those people that say we all need a little. Yeah. You know, you, it's it's nice to have something to fall back on and rely on to help you get through a tough time. You know, whether it be counseling or a family member or a significant other, whatever it is, you know, find that crutch, whatever it is, and, you know, lean on it. Do what you got to do. Yep. Just keep it off the field, man. Yep. I'm not mad at you, bro. Yeah. I'm not mad at you. Like you I said, it, you made, you made, we all make mistakes. Yep. We all do. We all make our mistakes. The difference is, is that, you know, that we own it and we still go to work and we still do our jobs, you know? So, you know, and, and maybe, maybe we're being a little hard on the guy right now, but the thing is, is if you're not producing, don't make excuses. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to hear the excuses. You know, if this is troubling you in your life, that's fine. Be emotional. You're entitled to that. Absolutely. You're a human being. Yeah. But don't give me excuses. Just exactly. close your mouth. Stop telling people, you know, ah, this is what I deserve. I'm I'm going to get my payday. Exactly. You say stop. Say, you know what? When people ask you about I'm it, struggling. You know what? When people ask you about it, be be honest. Eh, things aren't going the way I want to right now. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to talk about that until the time comes to talk about it. Now's not the time. Right now, I'm focusing on baseball. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. You know, even if it's the even if it's the rhetoric, the line, you know, the 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 prescripted BS that you hear ninety five percent of these guys throw out there. I would much rather hear that than, oh, man, you know, I got some things going on. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, like Ozzy said in the beginning of the uh, the uh, the pregame show today when they were talking about this thing, he said, uh, Chuck kind of uh, corrected him and said, well, you know, Tim said that uh, with everything that's going on in the world and the media being his face about this, that, and the other thing, that uh, being out on the baseball field was the best part of the day for him because he could let all that stuff go and just focus on baseball. I'm Ozzy was like, uh-uh, I'm calling BS because I see it in his game. He even said in the interview, he even said in the interview that he didn't want to be seen and that he pretty much didn't want to be out there. Right. You so know, that, so that, that's that like that whole narrative's out the window as well. All right, I'm right. going to call and it on go, that topic because yeah, it's – Let's move on. Yeah, we don't want to beat it up on it all day, but you know we haven't really talked about it a whole lot. We avoid it because we want to avoid personal things on here. But when yeah. you put yourself out there the way he did in this podcast, it needed to be addressed. And it actually kind of changed my opinion on the whole thing a little bit, too, because I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave well enough alone and let the guy work it out. But i got to be honest with you. He sounds like a tool bag right now. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Tim. Sounds you do certainly sounds tone deaf. That's for sure. Yeah, stop talking and start doing, bro. Yep, plain and simple. Yep, (laughs) plain and simple, man. You put yourself out there now. Put something on the field. Yeah, Uh, you know it's like you know as far as as far as him the as far as Tim Anderson the the baseball player goes. I just I just want to see him play baseball. 
That's you know, it. and I want him to, I want to see him do well. You know, as a human being, I'd like to see him do well. I'd Me like too. for him to Absolutely. be happy and enjoy his life. But guess Man, what? I would give the guy a hug if he needed a hug. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a hater. Yeah. I'm just tired of the rhetoric. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's all. I, you That's know, all it's me. like, I, I, how about this? I'm tired of the combo of excuses, but then still saying, hey, you guys should be paying me $30 million a year. That's what oh, I'm that's tired of. Because <laughs> all he wants to talk about is keeping it real, keeping it real. But you're not keeping it real. You're full of crap, dude. Yeah. And it's obvious. It's it's oozing from your pores. And that's that's where I have an issue. Just stop. Yeah. Zafir, do you have anything to say about this? Because I know you are like one of the... Uh... One of the the Tim Anderson people. If you have something, go ahead and put it in the chat because I'm kind of curious how you feel about uh, the the recent interview that he put out there today. If you've got any uh, if you got any comments on it, just curious. Um, yeah. But anywho, like you said, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, still four nothing in the top of the fourth. So you know, like uh, a Lance Lynn will do. Um, there we go. It's generally the the first inning. Oh. If he can get past the first inning, he's generally all right, you know, at least uh, for a, for a little while until you get to the fifth inning, and then he'll give up a couple more runs. Is usually usually the cycle that it goes in, you know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pusher brings up the uh, uh, John. Uh, what's it? John Sterling with the Yankees who got hit by the foul ball up in oh, the, up in the booth. Man. Yeah. This one's fouled right back at me, and then wham! Up. I didn't think it was coming. <laughs> sure all the way is. Back at me. Hit him right in the side of the head, and um, <laughs> you know, I I feel for the guy in that aspect. That I, you know, I don't ever want to see anybody get hurt. But if it hit him in the head in the perfect way to make him forget that stupid uh, Yankees win call. Yankees. Yeah, if 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 it made him if the if it jarred something loose that he never remembered that call ever again and like it was blocked from his memory, that would be the best thing that could happen to baseball uh, uh, for the Yankees, in my opinion. Agreed. I can't stand that. It's like the worst call in baseball. Like, hands down. It's awful. And the worst part was is that after they showed him get hit in the head with the ball, they showed him make that call in the in the booth, and he looked exactly like how I imagined he would look, which is he was just like shaking up and down and like while he was making the call, and I was like, yeah, that looks as stupid as I envisioned it. Yeah, it's very cartoony. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, that on a episode of Family Guy or something. <laughs> yeah, like his his uh, his home run calls. I mean, like the Robin Robinson Cano one. Like I never I, like that one's good. But one like job, when he just says. when he just adds I A N to the to the person's last name, like Judgian or Stantonian. Oh, like just uh, yeah, that guy. Like his his calling of games. And like the flavor that he puts on calling games, like uh, like on the on the play by play side of things, is cool until his catchphrases come out. And once the catchphrases come out, I'm I'm done. Like I can't. Well, you can't know, he came up during that oh, plunkaroo for burger. 
yeah, he kind of came up during that era, though, where it was like all of those guys were trying to find their little catchphrases. You know, there's Hawk Harrelson. He's still got that, you know, large group of fans that would love to have him back. And unfortunately, I'm not one of them. I, I will readily admit that I kind of got tired of him trying to find some. I mean, this guy had a new catchphrase like every year, and he it's not like he lost the old ones. He yeah. kept them all. No, he kept all of them. One cliche after another throughout a game, and every time he got a new one, he just added it into the list. So it was like you'd listen to three or four of them in inning, every single inning. Yep. And, you know, he's got a great story behind yes. each one of them. You know, I put it on the board. I was at one of my daughter's dive meets or whatever it was, you know. I, fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. You did 92 of them, and it, it just became, it really just became cliche, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, the, the one that I never will ever enjoy was the uh, don't stop now boys because literally every time you would say it it would kill whatever was going on (laughs) like literally it was like it was like uh you know cold water splashed right on whatever was going on i still throw that one out there every now and again but it's more in jet because i know they're gonna stop yeah oh (laughs) bases loaded nobody out oh yeah don't stop, Don't now, stop now, boys. Oh, it's two outs. <laughs> oh, look at that. Two yeah. men on with Leary Garcia stepping up to the plate. Don't stop now, boys. Uh, triple play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or one run and, and out of the inning. Yeah. Um Yeah, I like I want you know, once he got to the point where you know like he would get so angry that he would just stop talking for like five, ten minutes, then mm-hmm. I was kind of like you know, like the first couple of times, I thought it was kind of funny, but then after that, I was just like, "What are we doing here?" You know, like yeah, it's a lot of dead air. Yeah, it was kind of it just got awkward and weird. You know, it, um, it totally did. Oh lord. Yeah, Pusher also yeah. brings up uh, Ellie Dela Cruz. Have you have you uh, ch- have you had a chance to check that kid out at all? That kid is something else, and you know they've been hyping up his. Before he before he came up, it was like a week and a half or two weeks or so where it was just, you know, the whole world saw it coming. But wow, watching this kid play baseball, he's he's a special talent. He really is. Yep, he's kind of like uh, pretty much what everybody envisioned Luis Robert to be. I was just gonna say the and, same uh, thing. Unfortunately. Uh, you know, between injuries and just whatever it is that boneheadedness. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, it's just it's just it, it has never translated. I mean, he's still freakishly great athlete, but I mean, it's like you watch Ellie De La Cruz and you're like, that guy has a passion for baseball, and he loves baseball, and he wants to be the best. And like that's you know, I don't I can't. And it's not that I don't think that Lewis Robert doesn't have a passion for baseball and doesn't want to be the best. Doesn't show it like that. So it's it's not quite. Right. It's it's just not you know it's not as 
it's not as flashy, you know, and Ellie Dela Cruz is, well, is, is vibrant. How much of that is an indictment on the White Sox, though? I mean, it's, it's very possible that it has nothing to do with Lucas Robert. It has to do with the White Sox development system and the organization. I mean, I guess, but at what point am I going to hold players accountable for what they're doing? You know? Oh, I'm not saying that he's not accountable. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know. Uh, how about this? Who, who has who what? have the Reds developed? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll just stop. I mean Joey Votto in like 2000 or well, whatever right. whatever, uh, you know, hey, like point taken. Point you know, I mean, taken. yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. You know, and, and you know they got Ellie De La Cruz, and then they got the uh, the other kid with uh, five names. I can't remember what his name is. Um, yeah, uh, Strand yeah. Uh, Christian yeah. Strand Encarnacion or something like that. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Um, I mean, they've got some guys coming up, and you know, I can't really say that they've developed anything. Yeah, I mean, they've had a couple of guys that have done okay, but usually they have been creations of the Great American Ballpark, you know, like where their numbers are really right. good there. And whenever they leave there, they generally struggle. And, you know, I mean, Jonathan India, you know, his splits are even this year. So, I mean, I don't know. But, uh, again, I will say, who have they developed? Nobody. So, right. I mean, it's the same right. thing, you know. It's like <laughs> it's it's – not a hundred percent, you know, on the player, and it's not a hundred percent on the team. Um, you know, it's at a certain point you have to stop swinging at pitches in the dirt, and he does not. He will not do that. And until he does that, he's never going to realize his full potential. You know, because out in the field, yeah, Luis Robert, you know, he does what he does and that's great you know well when he's not taking plays off you know i mean yeah he makes some stupid plays i'm not saying that he doesn't but you know what when you know like right now i see him flying i mean he's basically all the way into right field making that play right there you know the guy has phenomenal range and you know like yes he does make some boneheaded plays out there but the thing is, is that he is shooting himself in the foot by swinging at terrible pitches all the time. And until he stops doing that, he's not going to he, – he's never going to have those crazy power numbers because nobody's ever going to throw him pitches that he that, that are middle-middle for him to crush, you know? He'll, right. he'll catch 30 a year, you know, if he's lucky, but – I can hear my dad in my head right now saying, that guy's got all the physical ability in the world. Not a brain cell working. That's, I mean, that was my dad's. That is an exact quote on quite a few million dollar players. body, nickel brain. Years. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. I mean, all the physical you know. talent in the world, not a brain cell working. I, I can, I mean, he said that. <laughs> God, I don't know how many times in all the years of me. Coming up as a kid, starting to watch baseball, yeah, all the way into my adult life. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it just at some point, you know, like I, you know, I hope that uh, that Luis Robert can sort out his dis, you know, his plate discipline issues. But at this point, you know, like we're, you know, what is he twenty six? Yeah, so, should be entering his. Uh, 
prime? Uh, he's 25. He's 25. He'll be 26 in, in August. But, I mean, you know, like, you know, at this point, you know, like, these are supposed to, like, this is supposed to be 24 to, like, 28, 29. That should be, like, his prime years. You know, maybe even a little bit younger. Um, And, you know, like, what he does on the baseball field is impressive. Yeah. But man, if yeah. he could if he could manage to sort out his chase mentality on on pitches, man, imagine what he could do out there. Oh, he could be the best player in baseball. Next he, Mike he Trout. Has the potential. Yeah. He yeah, he has the potential to be that. Uh Oh, I had a thought, and it just it's gone. Flew away. Yeah, it's just gone. Um, oh, I was going to ask you, when was the last time that, and we've had, you know, over the last three or four or five seasons now, we've had some guys at the White Sox hyped up. And not just the White Sox, you know, uh, you know, experts and writers across the country. When you've got guys that are, you know, in the top 50 prospects as the White Sox had a handful of coming up, you know, the last few years. But when was the last time you heard a White Sox player get hyped up and come out the gate being everything that was expected? Uh, I mean, like, that's the thing is that it doesn't happen all that often. In reality, you know, like you see it like maybe like three or four times every year. You know, I mean, like, think right, of, but you know, I'm, you get tired of hearing about generational talent. Yeah, uh, but look at what gen- what did your mean your mean Mercedes do? Just burst onto the scene, hitting five hundred for the first month of the season. You know, right? And you know, then he was hitting four hundred for the next couple of weeks, and then he kind of dropped off to like two hundred. And then he started to kind of figure it back out, and then they sent him packing, you know? And, you know, now he's playing, uh, like, indie ball or in Mexico or something. I I forget where he was playing. Uh, Colton was was, saw him the other day hitting a couple of home runs. Um, But, I mean, you know, like... That's like teeing off on high schoolers for him, you know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. Um, But, hey... You know, it's like uh, a bunch of the ex-White Sox prospects are doing that in various fashions, like Mike Erdolfo's doing it with the Kansas City Monarchs. Um, Craig Didalo's doing it with some independent team where he's hitting like 380 or something like that with like seven home oh. runs. I mean, there's, there, there, yeah. you know. handful of guys over, you know, in Korea and Japan. And, yep. You know. I mean, Diane Viciedo. Tank. Yeah, he ended up, you know, like he ended up like, uh, you know, when he went, he went overseas and he figured out like, uh, you know, like he had to figure out his, his, uh, his chase mentality. He's okay. kind of sorted out and, you know, he's ended up like, you know, oh, he's a the, folk hero. Yeah, he's like up in the tops and like in batting average over there and, you know. Yeah, and hitting four hundred foot bombs, they they love them. I mean, I guess what basically what we could say is that baseball is hard. 
Well, and not everybody's going to succeed, you know, there's definitely no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, like, let's say like Jeremy Pena, you know, like he came up and he was awesome right away. Um, uh, Julio Rodriguez. Awesome right away. But now he's hitting like two two sixty, you know, meanwhile, Jared Kellenick, who came up and struggled mightily. Got sent back down, came back up, got sent back down. Now he's back up, and he's hitting like last time I looked, he was hitting like you know right around three hundred with a a bunch of home runs. You know, so yeah, last I saw, it was hitting like four eighty four or something over the last you know sixteen games or something. It was something ridiculous. Let me look here. He was over five hundred at one point. You know over like a 10 game span or something. Yeah. Right now he's hitting 262 with an 818 OPS. He's got 11 home runs. And meanwhile, you know, like uh Julio Rodriguez is hitting 242 with a 735 OPS. And that's your, you know, the guy who came up and was amazing, you know, right. I mean, so like, you know, it's like they say, you know, it's just, it's a game of adjustments, you know, it's like, Kid comes out of the gate just like crushing the ball all over the place. They adjust, and then his numbers dip, and then he has to figure out what he has to do to get back to where he was before, you know. And then they adjust again, and then he has to adjust, and it's just like a you know continual game of cat and mouse, you know, where they just have to sit there and try and figure out ways to get each other out, you know. And if they find a hole in your swing, you know. You might never get back if you can't fix that, you know? So yeah, if you like to chase sliders down and away, you're going to get a healthy diet of sliders down and away. <laughs> yes, you are. Or curveballs in the dirt. Just ask Luis Robert. Romy. Yeah. He's got a little bit of that uh, chase mentality himself. He does. Yeah, he does for sure. As his, uh, his average is dipped, you know? 15 points, which, you know, hey, he's just right around Elvis Andrus now. The only thing is, is he runs faster and he plays better defense. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Yeah, did you happen to see that, uh, I, I didn't know about this until this morning, but uh, our very own Dan Victor was on Sox in the Basement uh, talking about White Sox minor league baseball. Well, just got, uh, I'm hearing. Yeah, I just got dropped, I think, this morning. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and pop on there and hear some good stuff from Dan Victor. Um, Thanks one of for our... the heads up there, Sly Dano. Yeah, yeah, I know, What's right? On, bud? It was there, and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> really? And so, yeah, so I listened to it, you know, and <laughs> Dano is one of our favorite people. Um, he is indeed. So Great dude. Yeah, so uh, I think I'm I'm good for the week. Uh, getting myself all fired up about the uh, the White Sox and what people are saying about the White Sox and what White Sox players are doing and that's aggravating me. <laughs> good, good for talking yeah, about I, that. I I feel a little bit lighter after the, you know the past hour and twenty minutes or so here therapy session. Yep, indeed. Um. WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com. You can find Dan Victor's wonderful article about Noah Schultz, where he talks with uh, JJ Lally, the uh, the scout who uh, brought him to the White Sox. Also, his uh, pitching coach uh, from when he was in uh, travel ball and all that. Uh, you can see you can find that article on there, um, among a bunch of other articles that he's written about uh, other prospects. And um, 
at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, we have Facebook page. We have YouTube. You can just, uh, search White Sox Daily. You can find that at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Um, see what the uh, White Sox can manage to do here uh, in the next couple of days. Um, hopefully Lance Lynn doesn't put them too far in the hole. But then again, the offense has to show up and uh, do something against point. Tony Gonsolin, who's at 68 pitches through five innings. So, you know, he could very well go into the seventh inning. And uh, uh, look at that. T.A. Walk. Tim walks on four straight. How do you like that? Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens here. And, um, you know. The division's not really – I'm not worried about losing the division at this point. They could still uh, – How do you feel about uh, Ben Benintendi getting his first danger of the season right here? Let's go. I kind of doubt it at this park. I mean, you know, Ozzy would be 20 bucks richer. If he can't hit yeah. one – if he can't hit one at guaranteed rate, the odds of him hitting one here <laughs> – you know, that's that's all I'm saying is like it, it's harder to hit a home run there than it is at Chavez Green. Yeah, it's it's harder to hit there. So <laughs> I kind of doubt it, but I mean, you know, then again, you never know. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge for my co-host, the Danny Miller. We will talk to you guys next week. You guys have a good night, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.